Welcome back for another episode of the Endless Spiral Podcast. I am your host, Keith Russell, as always. On this episode, I'm joined by country rock recording artist Arlene Bailey. Arlene has had her fair share of ups and downs and has been quite open about discussing her own mental health battles, along with being diagnosed with bipolar, which she has said has been for the better in her life. She's also been quite open about discussing her eating disorders, some self-harm in there, and a bit of bodybuilding thrown in there. Sure, why not? She might as well. She has quite an interesting story, and we'll try and keep this podcast to below four hours. Um, <laughs> so, Arlene, thanks very much for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate you giving up your time. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Keith. It's lovely to be part of it. I'm very excited. Although, um, you're right, we are probably going to be here half the day. I'm a bit of a mixed bag. <laughs> <laughs> we were just saying before, and we might turn this into a mini series. So, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Um, but one thing I didn't mention in the intro is obviously you're on your third album at the moment and you've actually performed the Grand Old Opry, which I'm fascinated about. But we can leave that out if you don't want to get to that stage, because that might be in part two of this. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like I'm bragging. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it for you. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, right. So let's kick off. Uh, maybe if we take a little step back in time, maybe you couldn't tell people about how maybe you got into music. Because I think your, your father introduced you to music when you were quite young. Yeah, my mom and dad would have been a huge influence, of course, because and I, like I was thinking about this the other day, they must have seen something in me, Keith, because I'm very different to my siblings insofar as like I'd be able to burst into it could be anything from Frank Sinatra to big Tom songs, you know, and I know all the words. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a good thing, but whereas my siblings would never have been that much in like interested in music, I would have been the one that would have soaked up all this stuff when I was younger and anything that was being played in the house, whether it was country music, whether it was Mario Lanza, whatever it was, I loved music. Um, and yeah, like uh, my parents would insist that I, I learn certain songs it was kind of like homework there you go now that's what you're working on next um in one way like I yeah my dad was a huge influence but an aunt of mine on my mom's side used to give me all these tapes and stuff and she'd give me this again it would be mixed bag of stuff it would be country it would be Irish country it'd be it'd be ABBA the lot and I I just devoured it and I loved singing and it's really funny because I used to stand in my my bedroom so myself and my older sister had bunk beds and at the end of the bunk like there was you know the, the wooden part here I'd use that yeah. as a microphone and I'd sing into it and I'd often get caught by my younger sister who loved to rip the piss and still loves to rip the piss out of me singing my heart out into my fake microphone and of course the, the shame of it all yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um I dreamed of doing that that's all I wanted to do like I even uh, getting my first uh, like uh, Walkman or whatever. I remember dancing on the wall in my garden, pretending I was Cher. Wow. You know, it was like, this is what I want to do. This is all I want to do. I, in my head, I'm I'm in the middle of my video here and I'm a powerhouse vocalist and everybody yeah. loves me. Wow. You know, any day now. <laughs> it's still the same. <laughs> Nobody loves me now. <laughs> you still got the Walkman. <laughs> um, I probably do actually. Yeah, I remember actually my first singing competition in was in primary school and I did a summer project in Nace. Now I'm from Salins and to cross that divide, you know, and go to the summer project in Nace was, uh, you know, I may as well have been from Mars. It wasn't received very well from some of the some of the other kids. And it was like, 
firstly, who does she think she is coming all the way from Salins to Nace, you know, um, to our summer project. We didn't have such a thing like that in Salins, you know, at the time it was very much a, a one horse village. But uh, I won the competition and sure, that was it. There was war. And I came away with um, a Care Bear radio that my dad had kept in the garage at home. It's, it's still there. It's there somewhere. Really? <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So I do have a tendency to hold on to things that are sentimental, but that that Walkman, no, probably not, but definitely the Care Bear radio. That's yeah. still, yeah. <laughs> still around. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And I had to run. I had to run off the stage that day, Keith. Did you? Was, there was, they were gunning for me. Now that really? sounds bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> not, obviously not everybody because... Um, or I wouldn't have won the competition, but it was there was just a few kind of you know the the back of the class bullies type right. thing that that yeah, had it yeah, in yeah. for me. But yeah. I my dad's from Nace or was from Nace, so I'm half Nace, half Salon, so they can feck off. Right, right, right. <laughs> You're obviously, you really are a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's for sure. Yeah. And how did you get into the country? Well, it's country rock, I suppose, isn't it? So, like, did you always? Yeah. A, was that always the passion, or did you just want to be a kind of a performer or singer? Uh, it would have always it would have stemmed from country music for sure um like again i i developed a love even though i would have listened to a lot of stuff i developed a love for country music and uh, like george jones tammy Wynette. um i used to love listening to karen carpenter i know she was a bit more kind of um pop at the time but yeah it, it just kind of steered i steered towards country music for one reason or another and I found that i had a kind of uh like when I sing, I have quite a an American twang. Right, okay. That might you might find to be grating, but <laughs> it just happens naturally. But uh, now, I suppose, yeah, as time's gone on, I've progressed from you know more kind of an easygoing country to an edgier country that's more uh, Shooter Jennings influenced. Mm, you know, yeah. I like I like people like Toby Keith. A lot of American country artists that have an edge to them would be yeah. an influence. You know that it's it's music with um with balls basically it's 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 gargling with vodka before you go on stage and it's it's getting rip roaring drunk at the end of the night with your bandmates yeah <laughs> it's that kind of you know it's it's uh it's edgy but yeah it's yeah. that's where i'm i'm happiest now and again we do we do um more laid-back stuff as well it's not it's not death metal or anything but it's mm. um it certainly has an arse to it, as I like yeah, to say. An arse you know? to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that before. That you said that. <laughs> and you're on your tour album now, so we might as well give that a bit of a plug while we're here. Yeah, sure. It's um, it's called Bailey, so that's the name of the band. I'm that cocky. I just named the band. I just said, you know what? We just we just call it Bailey. What else would we call it? And we call the album Bailey as well. We won't, we didn't actually. Yeah, the lot. Even my mum's a dog called Bailey. Um, I named I named her too. Uh, yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Much to my younger sister's dismay. Um, anyway, no, I'm I, I, I'm joking. The uh, yes, yeah, so we we just we just slapped the band name on it and we said look sure we let the music speak for itself and hopefully it translates mm. it's a mixture of original songs some covers it was recorded between um what used to be poppy hill recording studio in kildare with willie hayden and some of the tracks were recorded in nashville yeah. we actually took a couple of tracks that were recorded years ago um from my second album and just kind of threw them in because there were songs that didn't get enough I suppose air not necessarily airplay but um they didn't get as much exposure I guess as th they should have done and they mm. were still current and you know they yeah. sit very nicely on the album 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very interesting. Well, before we take another trip down memory lane, I just wanted to ask, how have you been through COVID? Obviously, with so many other people in your industry, you've just basically been doing nothing, really. Have you been doing yeah. nothing, or how have, you, how have you coped? Yeah, it's been a strange one. So a lot of people were doing, you know, uh, Saturday night live kind of gigs from their sofa and mm. uh, or Facebook lives. I didn't do any of that. We put out a couple of at-home videos, and, you know... Um, I spent a lot of time just kicking back, Keith, to be honest, hanging out yeah. with the animals and kind of plotting and planning. But I, I took the time as a break as well, because I'd been working constantly for I don't know how long my boyfriend, Gordon, hadn't had a night off. And I don't know. He hadn't had a weekend off um, other than maybe the odd holiday here and there for the guts of 20 years. Yeah, He was a or is a, a full time musician and sound engineer. So. Yeah, it was a it was definitely a weird one for us to sit there and go, OK, we've got this weekend off and hang on now. We've got that weekend off. We've every bloody weekend off. And yeah. just we were excited. I, like, I will say I embraced it at first because I am decidedly antisocial and I do love the idea of being uh, being locked away. I could do an Enya on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I could happily live in my castle with yeah. my pets. Fair play to her. But um yeah, I was okay with it. And again, as I said, I was busy because I have three dogs here, two cats. Um, yeah, I, like everyone, I suppose, though, Keith, there were some days where I said, I hear fact this, I'm not getting dressed or I'm not getting mm. out of the bed or I'm I'm going to spend the whole day drinking wine. Now, that sounds terrible, but I think everyone, everyone went through yeah. um, that sort of a thing where we just gave up because we could, you know, and then, yeah, yeah. you know. I did a bit of exercise, but still managed to put on a stone and a half. Haven't we all? Haven't we all? <laughs> You're not yeah. on your own there. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. How was your mental health during the uh, the whole time? It was actually pretty good because at that point I was in a good place medication wise. So the the doctors had, you know, figured out the, the right dosage, the right meds for me. Um and yeah, I was in a good place. I think I felt a little bit nervous about things opening up. And I was yeah. obviously nervous about the whole yeah. COVID thing. I, you know, we were all living in fear for the first while. It was like, mm. should we be going out in hazmat suits? And <laughs> is this yeah. airborne? What, like, you know, what, what, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but no, all in all, I did okay because I was personally in a in a good place, and I do like my own company, so I was okay yeah. with closing yeah. the door. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suffer from anxiety and. Well, you know, it's generalized anxiety disorder. So I think and the more people I've been talking to about this, people with anxiety were quite happy with, the, not happy with the lockdown, but quite comfortable with it because they, yeah. they weren't going out anyway. So Yeah. Because you said it, you're kind of how, just comfortable in your own, in your own uh, company. Yeah. And how did you feel, Doc Heath, then when it came time to open up the doors and, and head out? Like, yeah. was that, yeah, was my that anxiety, daunting for you? It was actually, I had to do, I had to go into the city centre in Dublin, a city centre um, for a photo shoot one evening. I hadn't been on a train. I hadn't been, excuse me, out in ages. Oh, my anxiety was, was through the roof. Um, and then the next day, because I had to come down, obviously, you know, the next day, because you're, you know, exhausted after. I was nearly in bed for, I was in bed the whole next day. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, kind of getting a little bit easier um but yeah that initial kind of thought of going out because I didn't ease myself into it I would just have to as it went from sitting around yeah to obviously just hopping on a train and going so it was kind of daunting for me to be honest but um yeah look 
I'm alive, yeah. I made it through it. And this is what the whole, you know, the anxiety, like, you know, you're catastrophizing yeah. everything. You catastrophize everything. So I didn't die. I'm I'm here and I'm, I'm telling the yeah. tale now. So as yeah. Roz Purcell said, and just getting back to the, the weight gain thing, and, you know, we shouldn't put so much emphasis on, oh, we put on weight, oh, the COVID stone, oh, sitting around, you know, look, come on, yeah. we're human, we're not perfect. But she said, actually, that um, when she has kids, that uh, when asked how she managed through a global pandemic, she'll just say, mm. I had to buy bigger jeans, you know? Yeah. And that was yeah. the worst thing that happened to maybe her or plenty of other people so you're right we're here yeah. we're you know yeah. doesn't minimize the fact that you have your own demons to fight but you know yeah but you, we're yeah, around exactly. yeah exactly no that's exactly <laughs> we're it. upright you, yeah you, exactly you can kind of normalize it a little bit where you know you can I suppose put things in perspective a little bit you know yeah um right let's go back in time a little bit because I'm kind of interested I was reading some articles about you and you you kind of suffered from depression quite early on was it 15 or 17 that you 15 yeah 15 yeah how did that come about I mean I suppose 15 is quite young I mean I started suffering from depression in my probably my late middle to late teens um did you feel okay up until that point was there anything that happened can can you remember anything that happened or was it you just have this feeling of just sadness um I was yeah I was okay but you know just I'm even having a light bulb moment now when I think about my childhood and I think it was only ever extremes I was either painfully shy to the point that I wouldn't even speak to relatives or I was jazz hands and I remember being on a train one time to knock with my grandmother and I stood on up in the train and entertained the people in the carriage I sang and danced so yeah I was either I was either one way or the other I think it was very kind of in your face or or under a blanket <laughs> but uh, no I wouldn't have said that as a child I was depressed or anything just um maybe socially awkward at times but yeah about 15 this whole thing kicked in and um I remember being very calm about it I remember saying to myself yeah I, I don't want to be here anymore but I was very kind of matter of fact about it I just said no you know I'm not uh, even though I was depressed it was like something switched in me and I decided you know I just don't want I don't want to be around anymore but that's okay so I'll just you know I'll work on that that's that's the plan um thankfully that plan didn't work but uh yeah I would have dips I would have like from that point on have um very very low points in my life um they'd creep up on me yeah. even in the last like you know it's not that long since I've had a a pretty uh, hit up a pretty low point but again thanks to medication now it's not as extreme and it's not as as frequent you know mm. but yeah teenage yeah. years I suppose the hormones probably wouldn't have helped either I guess yeah. I was just in a strange place at the time but um I spoke to people along the way I was put on antidepressants in my early 20s um it was kind of like putting a plaster on things because there was never a proper diagnosis as to what was going on. Mm. Um, there was never really, you know, I probably wasn't open to help at the time. You know, I can't yeah. point fingers at uh, anyone I saw, whether they be ther therapists or, or counsellors or whatever at the time, just it wasn't a correct fit for me maybe, or I uh, just wasn't willing to, to embrace, you know, whatever. Yeah they had to offer so um I plodded along for quite some time not knowing what was going on with me and hitting yeah hitting dips and 
hitting points as well there where I was over the moon and feeling invincible and I thought this this is the life you know mm. uh, I would feel when I'd hit a high Keith I'd feel so good that I think sure that was lows don't matter that's okay it's gone it's in the past but sure this would happen time and time again and I thought here you know I have to I have to cop onto myself I have to get sorted and mm. it still took time it's still you know I, I went to see somebody else for a period of time um, a fantastic psychotherapist and she really helped me but again I still didn't, I wasn't aware of what was going on. Yeah. I didn't realize that I had bipolar disorder. Yeah. So I wasn't being medicated. Uh, it was all very well me talking through certain things and, you know, uh, learning decider skills and, and, and these kind of things. But mm. ultimately, if I was running around like a headless chicken with a problem that needed to be medicated, I wasn't going, I was only going to get so far in my progress, you know? Right, okay. So you yeah. were going to therapy for depression in your early 20s, as I would just said. Or yeah, briefly then, briefly. also in my my 30s. Okay. Um, I'm 43 now and I've just managed to sort it out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Onwards so, and upwards. Yeah. So you were diagnosed with bipolar. That was only recently, was it? Yeah, it's like two years ago, I think. Okay. I've 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 a desperate uh memory when it comes to uh, time scale and stuff but yeah it was it was within the last two years um and of course the turning point I think really for me was when daddy passed away um so I think that yeah that probably was the it was a trigger in it probably maybe heightened the problem I don't know but it also inspired me to go and get sorted because I realized we've only one life to to lead life yeah. is short um why would you why would you put yourself under stress or pressure or if there was something going on wouldn't you try to get it sorted to make your life easier you know no one knows what's around the corner so I just wanted whatever number of time I had left on the planet to be happy time yeah so yeah. so how did you end up getting diagnosed so I went to my GP and I said okay. look this is what's going on I'm like this, I'm like that. This is what's going on over the last few years. And I have a wonderful doctor, like she's the best. I had, uh, you were talking about your ailments there. I had a couple of different surgeries done on my shoulder and my neck. And mm -hmm. again, she was the sort of doctor that would say, right, whatever the problem is, we get it sorted. Okay. We, we go to the best, we get it sorted. And she referred me to um, to a psychologist, sorry, psychiatrist. And uh, yeah, from there, we um, they monitored my mood. They tried different meds some things worked some things didn't I was put on lithium I was all over the place for a time I was I was taking um, an antipsychotic that didn't agree with me either um, mm. my weight fluctuated this was playing merry hell as well with my my mind I was all the while um, there'd been a whisper of bipolar disorder to me and I had then got on the internet you know yourself Dr Google and I said look yeah. I'll, I'll do a bit of research and I was seeing things that were similar or you know that were familiar to me and yeah. um again without a proper diagnosis i i was i was still all over the place i didn't know what they were going to come back and say to me um yet i had my suspicions that they were going to say bipolar and they did yeah. so okay. um yeah and look it has been it's been a, a major relief to put not that I'm I'm mad on labels or anything but to be able to put a name to it and say okay yeah. this is how we treat and this is yeah. you know this is what it is and this is how you yeah. manage it best yeah being able so, to put a label on something just because I've just only when you said the word label I've been 
kind of saying the same thing recently with my own stuff was for me I don't know about you when you can make when you're finally able to put a label on something for me and it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders because you could at least at least you knew how to treat it then if you know once once you're able to have a label for something like I for example I didn't even I never heard the word body dysmorphia but then once you're able to start labeling things you can start going back and picking out things well you know it's linked to that it's linked to this and you can kind of yeah even for therapy for yourself to understand it a bit better absolutely did you you feel the same I mean being able to just put a label on it yeah and to explain it to my family as well exactly sorry yeah just to say yeah this is this is what's going on now and um they would have done their little bit of research um so yeah no it was it was heartbreaking to be told it Mm. even though I I knew it was coming I didn't know how I was going to react so it probably was the fact that it was a weight off my shoulders that I bawled my eyes out when I was told mm. um but no look it was it was it was better to know because there was times where I just felt like I was going mad I would say yeah. that I'm going mad I've lost the plot like I remember one time in a fit of we call it rage getting a ladle and smashing it continuously into a kitchen press uh, I wouldn't do that now because my kitchen is fabulous <laughs> I wouldn't I do it I do it to a different kitchen someone else's kitchen but uh not mine um but yeah and I'm just feeling like there was relief to be had from doing that but also what the hell are you doing this isn't normal behavior you know or or just being so down that I I would tell myself I wanted to die I wanted to kill myself and I would terrify myself then for having said that or thought that because I didn't I didn't know where that that voice was coming from I didn't know I didn't want to kill myself but I would I would be I could be in the supermarket and I'd be like must buy milk also want to kill myself you know it would come to me like that and it was terrifying so yeah to be able to then um medicate accordingly and Mm. talk to 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 a counselor I went to um Glossner House and it's in um well I live in a thigh and and it's about 15-20 minutes from where I live kind of heading towards Leash and um I went and I spoke to somebody there and it was it was life changing. It really was because um, we knew what we were. We knew what we were there to talk about. You know what I mean? And and she helped me work through things. And again, as I said, decider skills. That was it's simple, but little tricks and and things that can be done to you know to get the benefit from. Yeah, you can go and you can take the pills, but it, you also have to be able to talk through these things. And I think that's vitally important as well. That's why I, I'm constantly telling people to speak out, to speak out, because yeah. even people that don't need therapy should go and talk to somebody. They won't believe they won't believe the relief and yeah. and the benefit from it. So if you have something, if you have, if you're holding on to some sort of issue that needs to be ironed out, go mm. seek the help. Yeah. There's amazing experts out there and i'm probably rambling here but you know where i'm coming from yeah absolutely. the help is there go it get is, it go yeah. get it yeah, yeah yeah what are the cider skills just in case anyone's not too familiar with what that is yeah so just simple little tools basically that i would be given to and if i try and give you an example now i won't do it justice but for example if i walked into a room and the place was upside down my instant reaction before would be oh Affect this and oh stress and up to 90 and I'm going to kill someone and you know it doesn't serve you well to to respond like that so these skills would then just allow you to implement a few different things that would make you go okay right I'm going to stop here now and just 
take in what's going on. The bin is overflowing and that's all it is. It's just an okay. overflowing bin. It's not, okay. you know, <laughs> it's just simple things that will, will get you to uh, check in with yourself and take a step back and, and reassess the situation. And, and rather than going in all guns blazing and stressed up to the max, yeah, it's so, just it's things that kind to of kind of, yeah, so also stuff to kind of help you with your triggers, I suppose, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So between tw- your twenties and being diagnosed around forty, what happened in between them? So you were on medication for depression, were you? For that yeah, time. for a short time, for a very for short, short time. time. Yeah, so, and I was touring like that. All that time would have been spent traveling the world. So right. I was uh, I was based in Manchester and I would travel around I spent I, I spent a lot of time in the states so I was in New York for about nine months and I used to commute from there to Nashville uh, to record my stuff to record um, albums and stuff and I would I was constantly on the road I was always away from home I was there was no balance and no week was ever the same so with that in mind, I guess that would have played merry hell with my mental health because I couldn't mm. settle. I couldn't, I didn't have anywhere to settle. I mean, the, the base that I had at the time wasn't home to me. Home was Kildare and I rarely saw it. So uh, like I knew there was ongoing problems. I just, for the most part, just shoved them under the carpet and wouldn't right. wouldn't tell people, you okay. know, what was so going on. Yeah. Okay. So you weren't really doing anything to address it in the meantime. You were just getting no. on with things and just being busy. I was a ticking time bomb, ticking time you know, bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like I was, I would try to control other things, Keith. So when I couldn't, um, when I couldn't figure out what was going on with me mentally, I would control food and I would, uh, my weight dropped at times to ridiculous. Like I, I was actually at my lowest point, I was wearing uh, clothes for, um, from the boys department, from the children's department in Dunn stores mm. for boys aged nine to 10. And I was in my thirties. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't get clothes to fit me. Like I couldn't. I couldn't buy adult clothes because I had dropped to somewhere between a four and a six. I know you could probably get stuff like that now. You know, you can. Mm. They're a little bit more kind of on the ball with smaller sizes. But I was in a state. You know, I yeah. I was obsessed with running, and I was obsessed with dieting. And um, a funny story actually, when I was living in New York. I discovered these diet pills. Now I had actually packed on a bit of weight in the States, which was killing me. And I thought I can't go back home with, you know, all this extra weight. This is this, Jesus. What would they think? It's a given that when I go to the States within a week and a half, I put on a half a stone because I just can't help myself. I love to eat uh, when I'm there. So um, I put on weight and I got these slimming tablets in a, in a chemist. And um, <laughs> I remember one day running from where I was living in Yonkers, in New York, to a shopping center in the Bronx, like at high speed, just running like a lunatic to this. And I didn't, I wasn't a runner at the time. I, I don't know what came over me, but there was obviously some sort of, <laughs> some sort of drug going on there. And once I stopped taking them, sure, I piled on two stone, do you know? Okay. So I, yeah, it was kind yeah. of all over the place with that. I would just, again, it was like, if something went wrong, I'll control food. Okay. If there was a problem with somebody or something, well, I'll show you. You okay. watch how skinny I can get now, you know, that's, right. and it okay. doesn't sound, I know it doesn't sound right. And it certainly doesn't sound healthy, but that's, that's where I was at. Yeah. So you had an unhealthy relationship with food. Did you have an unhealthy relationship with, with exercise? Cause I'm on, we mentioned at the beginning, the bodybuilding, um, what, 
where did I come into things? Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I had an unhealthy relationship with exercise, but I did have certain, uh, like a certain set of rules where I'd be like, look, if you're going to eat this, then you're just going to have to okay. work extra hard in the gym and whatever. And, you know, no, I, um, I kind of gotten over the whole starving myself thing. I had said to myself, look, you know what? He, this isn't healthy. And I was doing my research online. I had just uh, divorced my husband and I joined a gym here in Athai and I got to know this girl, Emma Bowden, who just, she changed my life, Keith. She's a, she's a personal trainer. Um, she's training as a, as a primary school teacher now. She's done a, a, a total um, rejig on her career, but uh, I got to know her and she had competed before so I said to myself you know what I'd like to do that look at her like she's amazing I want I want to look like that she was small but you know muscular and just just all around perfect and the picture of health so I started to bend her ear I just I was everywhere she went I was like hey me again <laughs> train me um but yeah so I I worked with Emma then for uh, a couple of years we did a uh, I did a competition in Belfast and I didn't, I didn't place. I wasn't ready. I wasn't big enough. I was still, uh, I hadn't built enough muscle mass, but it was a good learning experience because I guess, you know, I, I stood there in my bikini next to all these girls who were, yeah. who were ready and had put in all the work. And I was like, Do you know what? I'm just, just a little, I'm a few months <laughs> behind you guys and I don't deserve or I, I have no place on this stage right now mm. so I went back to the drawing board with Emma and um I bulked for I'd say about nine months so this was a lot of heavy lifting it would mm. be uh lengthy sessions in the gym about five days a week um I ate and I ate and I ate and this was like I found this kind of hilarious because having seen what other people had achieved and what the final look would be you know in terms of my mm. physique yeah. I thought well this would be worth it I mean it doesn't matter I'm horsing the food and the chicken and the pasta and the rice down my neck and I'm lifting like a motherfucker um but I know what what will come of it at the end and I know it'll be worthwhile but I remember she got me to take progress pictures and the last photograph that was taken of me before I started to cut, sent me into a complete spiral. Like I couldn't believe what I was looking at in, in the mirror or in the picture. I, I just looked like a big potato. I just couldn't, okay. the person with the, the food issues and the, you know, the, the history of, of whatever eating disorder I had really struggled then with that. So I was in two minds at that point. So I thought, well, look, I'm going to power through. I'm going to finish what I started, but I'm probably not going to do this again. Okay. Um, and when and was when it? I, if you don't, I... yeah. This this competition was uh, March two thousand and seventeen, sixteen. Okay, right. So okay, right. Yeah. Um. So I placed third with RIBBF. So in the bikini category, and uh, yeah, it was kind of it was only the few weeks on the run up to it that I started to imagine the trophy. I started to feel the trophy in my hand. I was like, I didn't realize how badly I wanted it, but I'd worked so hard. So I said, you know what? I want it. I want it. I stood on that stage for what seemed like an eternity rattling. I was shaking. I thought, oh my God, will you just announce who's placed where? And a third, a third to me, Keith, was a first. It may yeah. as well have been a first. It was just as mm. good to, to be handed a trophy and, you know, 
get some sort of recognition for the work. And again, to stand up there in a bikini in front of an audience of hundreds of people yeah. in, in yeah. Limerick, I just, uh, you know, it was, it was, that, that was a huge achievement in itself. You wouldn't see me yeah. down on the beach in a bikini now. I'd be wrapped in a blanket and I'd be, you know, in a tent. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be you know, the same, not, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not a comfortable place for me mm. to stand. So to stand there in something that resembled a piece of dental floss, like, <laughs> you know, go me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, the fallout Amazing. from it is, yeah, the fallout from it is not um, not the greatest. You have to be in a very good place mentally to, to, to deal with that. And I wasn't. So, you know, when I finished up and I didn't have Emma to turn to for, you know, I mean, obviously she was great. She gave me a, like a, a, a program to follow for the, the weeks afterwards and whatnot. But I was like a kid in a candy store. I went to the supermarket and I was like, I can eat that. I can eat this. I can eat the other. Because I'd done 12, 14 weeks of a cut. So I was okay. restricted to egg whites and um, white fish, salad, you know, yeah. green beans, nothing exciting, five litres of water a day. Yeah. Um, so then I, you know, went to the supermarket and I thought, I, I'm going to buy everything and I'm going to eat everything. And <laughs> you can only imagine the fallout from that. Yeah. So, yeah. And how are you now? Uh, with food? Bi- yeah, bigger than I've ever been. That's how I am. Um, and OK with it. You know, mm. I'm back at the gym now. I've been a bit lax with things and um, I guess no, I'm not at my my happy weight, but um, I'm working on it. And that's the important thing. I'm, I'm And I'm working on it with more balance. So I eat really well. I exercise. I fuel my body accordingly. So I know, yeah. you know, there's no point in starving yourself. What's that going to do? What's that yeah. going to achieve? Nothing. Um, exactly. Hundred. Yeah. So, yeah. And like there should be more emphasis on the fact that food is medicinal. So, I mean, if you put crap into your body, you're going to feel like crap. So yeah. I try, yeah, balance it out. I, I exercise, I sleep well. Um, I eat well. I love my wine. I love bread, but I know to just kind of keep it in check, you know, yeah. everything in moderation. Yeah. It's amazing. You say that. So what I have found is once I develop a healthy relationship with myself, I can develop a healthy relationship with, with food because, well, for me anyway, I would, I would be emotional eating or comfort eating, as people would call it. Do you know what I mean? Because I was so yeah. depressed with stuff. But now, I suppose once you, just we were talking about labels and that, and being able to put labels on certain things and being able to understand them and then get treatment for them and then be able to sort of fix them, if you know what I mean, and then develop a healthy relationship with yourself. I can now have a healthy relationship with food. Do you know what I mean? So look, just what you were saying, I'm, I'm just learning to not be so hard on myself with stuff, yeah. you know, as you just just to give yourself a break, you know. Well, this is it, you know, yeah. why there's plenty of people out there that will be a dick to you. So why be that to yourself? You know, yeah. uh, you got to You got to be nice to yourself. Um, I discovered that when when my dad died. And then, as I said, I was considering doing another competition. And I said, you know what? No way, because life is short and like I didn't want to be I didn't want to spend another year as wonderful as it was a great experience and fair play to people that keep it up but you know I didn't I didn't want to inflict that on my body I didn't want to inflict it on my mind I said if I want to eat something I'll eat it if I want to go to the gym or don't go to the gym I'm not living I'm not living by those rules now yeah. you know it's just yeah. uh his yeah. passing was a real eye-opener and you know just Made, made me realize that we do have to be kind to ourselves because yeah 
yeah. you know you don't yeah. know what's out there you don't know what's around the corner so exactly 100 yeah. like what, what helped me in in that instance was i started to work out to affect how i feel rather than affect how i look yeah and that that was massive for me as well so i didn't get stressed about if i wasn't working out today because it's working out for the wrong reasons but this is it. And, you know, you're you're releasing endorphins. And if it's mm. not from an aesthetic point of view, then you're on the pig's back there. If you're exactly. not scrutinizing everything in the mirror and saying, look, I'm here to, to you know, grow this muscle or, you know, yeah. shrink that one or whatever. It's um, yeah, that's 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 good that, you know, that's um, that's to be commended. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. All it, look, it's it's I suppose it's a learning curve. I'm, I'm getting there slowly. I mean, I suppose, I mean, introducing yoga has been quite good as well, because not that I'm, I was never a fan of yoga. And not that I'd never, not, not, that's probably not right the right way of putting it, but I never really tried it. And I was never, because I always wanted to bulk up or or do cardio to tone up or whatever I was doing, I always felt mm. that yoga wasn't going to do it for me. But now, as I said, I'm trying to kind of exercise or work out or whatever way you want to call it to affect how I feel. The yoga has been good as well because, you know, you can go onto the mat and just say, well, I'll just do 10 or 15 minutes a day. I don't have to be stressing about I haven't gone on the treadmill and done hit training today because I wanted to burn this amount of calories and all this type of stuff, nonsense that just goes through, through my head, but it goes through so many other people's head as well. Yeah. So, I mean, even the yoga has been quite good. And then intuitive eating I've been introduced to as well was quite good as well. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's no, it's, it's kind of similar to what you were saying. So it's supposed to take the emotional side out of out of your eating. So it's you kind of kind of understand your body and understand when you're hungry and when you're full, and to not and to not eliminate any foods. So it's more just a kind of you know it's not really a diet per se. It's more just an all round healthy. Yeah, you know idea of a diet if you know what i mean i'm probably not even explaining it properly no that's that's but, i get where you're coming from um yeah. and it is i think from being asked this before by people that you know friends of mine if they were looking for dietary advice um you know they're probably coming to the wrong person but uh no just i think of it if you eliminate something altogether that's going to be all you'll think about that's it no chocolate for me now for a month that's you're going exact- to think about chocolate. It's going to drive you demented. That's so exactly what she said. Yeah. The nutritionist said to me exactly what you just said. She said, if I tell you don't think of pink, of pink elephants, what are you going to think about? And she said, that's exactly. <laughs> but just exactly what you just said. That's exactly yeah. what she said. And you're so right. So she's like, the, the way she's explained it to me, she's like, kids or children are, are intuitive eaters or babies are. They know when they're, they're not, they let you know when they're hungry, but they let you know when they're full. You know, yeah. she's like saying, if you have a packet of biscuits in the in the press and you're saying just have can't have them, can't have them, can't have them, and all of a sudden you, this is what I used to, you end up just eating a whole lot of them. Where you, yeah, it's okay to go in and have one, but you probably only want one or two. You don't necessarily, do you know what I mean? So it's it's look, yeah. it's, a, it's a slow process, but look, we'll get there. Or if eventually. you say to yourself, um, yeah, look, if I eat the whole packet, then it's gone, then it's not an issue. They're not there anymore. Yeah, <laughs> to justify it that way. <laughs> but when you say Keith about the yoga, I think that's a brilliant um from a from a mindset point of view and obviously from a a functional point of view people forget that you need to stretch I see a lot of young guys going into the gym and they're like lifting they come in the door and they lift the heaviest thing and we all have made and will continue to make stupid mistakes when it comes to exercise and our bodies but uh says your man there carrying a bag of cement (laughs) listen I'm going to edit that bit out anyway (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah so like i i it's really important 
the functional movement is really important. Yeah. So the likes of yoga and, and uh, I'm very lucky because my brother, he's an actor, but he's also a personal trainer. So he's devised a program for me that is every it's everything from kettlebell workouts to right. um, combat to functional movement, to animal flow and all those things. So just, yeah, you need to utilize your body correctly or you're going to, you're going to do yourself a mischief. <laughs> exactly. Especially when yeah. you get to our age. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not talking 30, about it. I'm, I'm only 22. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant. I'm, yeah. only, mm. I'm only 19. <laughs> Add another 20 years to that. Jesus Christ. I can put a filter on this. It'd be all right. I've got Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> I just on my <laughs> half of the screen. <laughs> oh Lord! Right. Oh sure. Yeah, I think we probably covered everything there. Um, if there's anything else you want to add, we might wrap this up soon, and we'll come back for a part two eventually. Yeah. Um, no problem. That's you want to add in? No, not really. Um, no. What about you? No, I, you can I, fire I, anything else at me if you want. We'll come back <laughs> later on when the painkillers have worn off. Um. <laughs> Do you want to give a bit of a shout out to where people can reach you or do you want to be reached at all? Your yeah, social media of course stuff? I do. <laughs> of course I want to be reached. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, my Instagram uh, is Arlene Bailey one. Um, it's Arlene Bailey on Facebook and the band page is Bailey. And then, of course, the album can be listened to on Spotify, iTunes and all the usual platforms. Cool. Right, guys, um, that was a fascinating uh, conversation, Arlene. Thanks very much for coming on the show today. Um, we leave there, guys. We've probably been yapping for long enough, and we'll be back again with another episode very soon. So I'll see you all again very soon. Bye for now. 